0: Here they come! They make contact! They're side by side! It's a photo finish at the line! Blaney and Newman were side by side when they crossed the line! Unbelievable finish! We didn't beat him regardless. Blaney by just a foot! It's gonna get the win over Newman and that win moves him on he will lock into the round of eight I feel like all we could say is what a fantastic race we had at Talladega that kind of summed it up there the finish was a, a photo finish between Blaney and Newman but it was just the whole thing in general Talladega lived up to expectations. We've been talking about it for weeks now. We've been talking about how it's been looming. And my goodness, did it come through? Because NASCAR really needed something after that sleeper of a Dover race. And man, it came through in spades with bells on. Fantastic race. I am a satisfied customer as a NASCAR fan right now. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast. We're going to recap Talladega in its entirety. We're going to go through, you know, my opinions about what happened at the track there and talk about, you know, recap some of the picks that we had and how it played out. Then of course, as always, we're going to have to move on. Even though Talladega was so great, we are going to have to look ahead and we're going to take a look at Kansas. It's the cutoff race and we're going to see if we can find some winners in this bunch here. Uh, We're going to take a look at the odds to win the race, discuss a parlay possibility that I have in mind that could work out for us if your book accepts it. And uh, as always, we'll talk some head-to-head matchups. And then at the end, I'm just going to rant a little bit more about, you know, A new bet that NASCAR should have out there in the books. It should be a common thing come playoff time. So, we're going to talk about playoff bets and uh, how NASCAR can improve. They're missing the mark at the moment. So, that's how we'll end the podcast this week. Before we move on, though, we have to go back and we need to revisit Talladega because it was such a great race. Even with the rain delay, it's going to go down as one of the most memorable races of the 2019 season for sure. The rain delay, I mean, Sunday, they only got stage one in. And coming out of that, I think Blaney was actually still the the main topic because he spun coming into Pitt Road. Everyone was, you know, making such a big deal about that. But at a track like Talladega, it's very easy to, you know, re bound from that and you know re-up he did that and uh he was able to you know keep the car clean during that spin and talladega and daytona those super speedways it just makes you really wish we could go there every week but obviously for driver safety reasons we can't do that but the fact that you know he's able to spin you had cars in that final stage that were just like pieced together with duct tape and and you know sweat Pretty much, uh, that's what racing's all about, and you just love to see it. So, in terms of our bets, uh, I was actually really surprised because for the first time all season, I was able to place live bets during the race. Now, I think the rain delay may have had something to do with it because, as I gave out last week, I said on the podcast, my hand's going to be up on this one. I said, don't take Ryan Blaney. I think. This is not the track, Talladega, not being the track for him to win in desperation. I said, I'm saving him for the Kansas race coming up. Well, uh, clearly I was wrong on the podcast last week. I gave out some of the other guys who were in it, seemed like, till the end. I mean, we had uh, even Ty Dillon, I talked about, putting some money on him down. Uh, He was in it till the end. Kozlowski was in it. Said not to take Larson. He wrecked. So there were some things that were going right. Uh, Elliot was trying to claw his way back. He was really the the guy last week that I was kind of, you know, hanging my hat on. Uh, But the live betting saved me in real time because I, I, on Monday, sitting there, figured, you know, why not just give it a look? Maybe there's some options uh, just because I, I don't really feel comfortable with who I have as far as the race is concerned at that moment in time. And lo and behold, I log in and I see that I'm able to live bet and they had updated odds. It just wasn't the the odds from the start of the race. It was real time. They even had Matt Crafton in there instead of Paul Menard because Menard left the race due to you know neck injury. So I threw a little something on him because I figured, hey, why not? That would be a you know, pretty crazy story for Crafton to come in. But in the moment, I did take Blaney at plus 1,200 because I thought in my mind coming back from that spin would be pretty crazy, and it would be a hell of a story. He kind of needs it. Looking at the, the charts when they show the playoff standings as they run, I was just so surprised at how far back. I mean, I, I guess no one really has a real handle on the playoff points as they run, but I was shocked how far back Blaney and Elliott both were during live time, even though they're both towards the front. So uh, before they restarted on Monday, I threw something in on Blaney. Even though I didn't get out on the podcast, I, you know, I do feel bad about that. I Personally, I was pretty pumped. Um, and then there was another red flag later in the race, and it made me want to check the account again. And again, I was still able to live bet the race. So hats off to the Sugar House Casino, because that's who I was using that day for allowing me to, to live bet maybe things are looking up for betting on NASCAR I don't know the live betting is taking off across the country all of these books who are advertising on commercials and everything they're they're pushing the live betting hard and NASCAR was not one throughout this season that you could do that on but guess we're we're in that moment now so definitely going to be keeping an eye on that as the season plays out we've uh, we've only got a few races left but I'm definitely going to be trying to, you know, throw something in in the moment. See if I can cash in on something quick. So, uh, very cool to see, and um, obviously the rest of the race played out. So we had multiple big ones, as they say, and uh, you know the the Bowman incident. I mean that one was tough. That took out a, a lot of big names early and then you had the the biggest one where brendan gong brendan gong went for a ride the full flip landing on his tires which was very cool to see Uh, i mean it's just one of those classic talladega wrecks that you're going to see for for years and years and years and the fact that that played into one of the best finishes we've seen in a really long time between ryan newman and ryan blaney uh Newman took the lead at the, the tri-oval, but Talladega has that finish line that's just way further down the front stretch. And, I mean, if if the, the finish line was in a normal spot, like, say, where it is around Daytona, uh, Newman would have won that race. But Blaney was able to keep it coming, and it really turned out that he was racing for his season. Just what a finish, 7 tenths of a second. You had everything you could possibly want. Even if you're not really a NASCAR fan, if you were able to you know, convince one of your friends to watch along with you, I would guarantee that they were glued to the television as well, just because of how cool of race it was down the stretch. Because you had big big names out, and you had smaller names like we talked about. Ty Dillon was in the race at the end. Michael McDowell was up front towards the end. Matt DiBenedetto was, was even up there until he wrecked out during the, the Brennan Gong crash. So... A lot of cool things could have played out, um, and, and just, you know, Landon Castle even. I'm just trying to remember the names off the top of my head. And then to see that finish, it was just unbelievable. So, um, I thank you for the live bets, because that saved my weekend. And, um, you know, Talladega, baby. I'll, I'll tell you what. I am marking that down on my calendar next year. First race at Daga. I cannot wait for them to go back to that track. It always produces something really fun to watch. So big race, but uh, we'll have to move on because, you know, all good things must come to an end. So with that, we will transition over to Kansas. Now, coming off of a race like that, it's going to be tough to reproduce that level of excitement. And, you know, I, for one, here Kansas, and I, I don't exactly jump for joy. It's a mile and a half cookie cutter racetrack. I think that, you know, they have the schedule structured, you know, pretty much perfectly because Dover's a snooze fest, or at least it was this year. And then you have Dega with all the excitement. Then you go back to uh, more of a, you know, regular racing or uh, less exciting Racing, I should say. So that's why gambling is around right now. It's to make these races more fun. So it is a cutoff race. So it's going to be a lot of drama in terms of who's in, who's out. I mean, all three Hendrick drivers are currently out, uh, but the cutoff line—it's a—it's a big, big difference between you know the the first guy out and the last guy in because Blaney won. So I mean, if you're not a fan of this playoff format. You know, you probably don't like the fact that Blaney winning is is kind of forcing you know more drama on these guys, but I really enjoy that. I think that's why this format is in place to to create this drama and make it more fun to watch. So we've got Joey Logano eighteen points to the good over Alex Bowman, eighteen points to the bad. And like we said, Byron, Elliott, and Boyer all below the cut line. So Let's take a look at this track because we want to now start focusing on how do we play this week? You know, how do we start betting on this Kansas racetrack? So I've got an inkling that this is going to be one of those tracks where the big dogs eat, you know, we, we, you know, let those big dogs eat. I think it's going to happen at Kansas. I think the favorites are going to run wild here and uh, pretty much walk all over everybody. But you know, we'll see. So I've got some guys that we're going to take a look at and a um, couple long shots and some reasons why. But uh, we'll take a look at the stats here in just a second for, you know, a, a bunch of guys. But before we do that, just looking at the track in general. So guys who have started on the pole have won here six times. There's been a total of 27 races in the past at Kansas. Uh, people who have won from the top five starting position, uh, 13 times in the span of 27 races. So that's just about 50%. And then starting in the top 10, not much more than that. 16 times out of 27, that's 59%. Only twice though, has someone started outside the top 20 and won the race. So as we've been seeing with racetracks in the, you know, the near past, if your guy, if you're betting on people before qualifying and they're starting in the top 20, I think you're Gucci. I think you're fine. But if they're outside of the top 20, there may be a a reason to press the panic button there and uh, maybe go out and bet on somebody else. And kind of if you have the ability to buy back that bet from your book, you might want to do that because those odds aren't great. And I'm really not a fan of that at all. Couple other numbers here for you, just to get a little nerdy on you. In 27 races, the average starting position of the winner at Kansas is 8.6. So we're going to call that number out probably a couple more times as this podcast goes on. And then I know we've been pretty hard on the the lead lap finishers on uh, race tracks in the past, and also worrying about you know how many times the guys have finished on the lead lap. So at Kansas the average number of lead lap finishers in 27 races is 17.8, which puts it pretty average in my opinion, especially for a, a mile and a half racetrack. And that's really the epitome of what my impression of Kansas is as a racetrack. Just average, you know, it's not really moving the needle for me much at all. I'll be going into this weekend eyes wide open, hoping that it changes my opinion and hopefully gambling on the race will affect that a little bit. But I typically am not really jumping for joy when I see Kansas on the the schedule. So and, and that really th- those stats really lead me to to believe that and, and keep believing that as we go. But well, let's talk about some drivers because like this is a, a track that the favorites are going to, to feast at and Harvick is the guy who owns Kansas. He's going off at plus 450 as the the odds opened up this week. And he is just, I mean, to play, to put it plain and simple, he's the guy here. This is his racetrack, and nobody is going to be able to tell me otherwise. He has the best average finishing, And these numbers now that we're talking about are within the last 10 races. We could look at lifetime numbers, but I personally don't think that they're most beneficial to us as gamblers on the race. So looking at the last 10 races only here, uh, but it doesn't matter lifetime or the last 10, Harvick is the guy who has the best average finish and the last 10, it's 7.0. That is damn good. And uh, more importantly, his average starting position is 6.2. So going back to that stat we just threw out, he's well below that as far as average concern. Uh, lifetime, or sorry, in the last 10 races here, two wins, five top fives, six top tens, and three polls. He has the best driver rating, 109.5. There's nobody even close to him at Kansas, not even close. The next best guy, his average, we're not going to say who it is just yet, but it's 98.6. So a complete dominating driver rating here at this racetrack, He has finished on the lead lap nine out of 10 times in the last 10, and he has the most laps led in 10 races at Kansas. So now the question becomes, do you feel comfortable throwing more money than you would normally on Kevin Harvick to to win the race at plus 450 at Kansas? Personally, I mean, those numbers are hard to pass up. So, and I, like I said, I feel like this is a racetrack where the favorites are going to dominate. So we'll, we'll get to, you know, really my, my overall picks in a second, but I'm, I'm, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to bet on Kevin Harvick this week in some capacity. It's too hard to pass up. And plus 450 is really not that bad for someone who has the numbers that he does at this racetrack. So Harvick is somebody that I'll definitely be looking at for sure. Next up is another guy going off the same number, and that's plus 450, and it's Martin Truex Jr. So when we talked about driver rating, Harvick was number one, Truex was number two, 98.6, right, that perfect body temperature, you know what I'm saying? He is second best average finish with 8.1, and his average starting position is 8.5, not bad, uh he actually has the same exact i mean this is this must be where the books are getting their uh, odds from same exact totals in the last 10 races two wins five top fives six top tens he only has two poles instead of harvick's three but you get the picture these two are are really good here nine times in the last ten he's finished on the lead lap and he has the second total laps led out of everyone so they're really neck and neck. If I'm going to choose between the two of them, I'm going to go with Harvick um, just because of the driver rating, which is an underrated stat, in my opinion, because it takes into consideration the the total race that someone puts together. So uh, it's not just about average finish where, you know, just the finish matters. It's about somebody who is leading laps, and then if bad luck occurs, they're still going to be getting credit in the driver rating stat. The fact that Harvick is so big, I'm not going to bet on two guys going off at plus 450. That's just not my style. But I will take Harvick in this case. Um, not saying Truex is a bad pick. It's just my own personal preference. I don't like having two guys with uh, going off as the favorite, but. Clearly, they both know how to get around this joint, and uh, I'm going with Harvick, going with the four-car. Next up, though, we have two guys going off at plus 550, so I'm going to choose between one of these as well. Um, Kyle Bush. I mean, he, he's the first one going off at plus 550. He has the second-best average finish. I think I might have misspoke a second ago. Truex has the third-best. Uh, Kyle has the second. He's going to have an average finish of 7.9 total, and he has the best starting position, which is, like we said, very important at this type of track. 5.3 is his starting position in the last 10 races. That is really, really impressive. Uh, I haven't really been paying attention to that stat all season. Here and there, you know, I've been sprinkling it into my my research, but 5.3 is very, very good uh, when you take – you know, 10 races. He's actually only in the last 10, he's raced here nine because of his injury. Uh, one win, six top fives, eight top tens. That's right. Eight top tens in the last nine starts for Kyle Busch. Incredible. I mean, and eight lead lap finishes. So if the guy is finishing on the lead lap, he's finishing in the top 10. You can put that on the board, baby. So Kyle Busch clearly can get it done here. Uh, but his driver rating, he's not even. He can't even crack the top six to to look at it that way. So, I you know it depends on you know how you want to look at it. Plus five fifty. I mean, I think Kyle is definitely going to finish in the top ten. He's pretty much locked into the next round of the playoffs. So, unless something completely catastrophic, which I don't think he's mathematically in yet. I think maybe after the first stage, he'll probably lock himself in. But he's not going to be i mean it's kyle bush so he's always in it to win it we know this he he throws temper tantrums when he doesn't win but i don't think he's going to have you know balls to the walls like some of these other guys are going to have and um if something does go wrong so be it i think he'll still limp into the next round if something were to happen so i'm not going to put my money on kyle at plus 550 uh just because i like the next guy more than him and that's chase elliott So Chase is also going off at plus 550, and that took me by surprise a little bit, but I wanted to dive into this. So he won this race last year, and he's got the best, sorry, the fifth best average finish here out of everyone, 12.9. One win, three top fives, four top tens, no poles in the last seven races here. He's only raced here seven times, and... He's got the third best driver rating, 94.1. So, again, driver rating, I think I'm going to hold that stat. I'm going to put that stat on the pedestal this week. It seems like every week I find a different one to really care about. At a mile and a half racetrack, I like driver rating more than some of these other stats. And the fact that Kyle Busch isn't in the top six, I don't know why I'm choosing that number uh, six. It's all I wrote down. Chase is third and you know that's really impressive he's got the desperation factor at play here chase elliott is someone who a lot of people put money on to win the championship this year and he's 22 points behind the cut line he could point himself in but he's gonna need help to do that with you know logano or somebody like that wrecking out and dropping below the cut line, as well as the other guys he's down there with, his teammates, Hendrick teammates, Bowman and, and Byron and uh, Boyer, obviously, they need to also do bad. Uh, so I think pointing in is kind of a, a you know pipe dream for the nine car. He's going to need to win this race. And I think out of everybody that's below the cut line, I think he can win the race. Now, I mentioned how he won here A year ago. Here's something that is impressive to me, and it's why I'm going to bet on Chase again this week, is that that race that he won, he started 13th, and there were only three cautions that race. So that tells me that he didn't have the benefit of having a bunch of restarts to get to the front, to, to, you know, make passes on restarts. That tells me that that nine team came to this racetrack ready to go and had that car on rails. And he raced to the front in a relatively clean race with not many cautions three. I mean, that was a very low number compared to what I was looking at, um, on the, the stat sheet. So they that not only does Chase know how to race here, but the team can look at their notes from last year and and try to use them to advantage. Obviously, it's a different package probably, but you get the picture. A lot of times, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to you know win with a, a ton of cautions. The cautions actually make the race more fun to watch. I love the restarts, but I'm just saying, you know, with that. At play, he knows how to get to the front. He didn't lead the most laps that race. The guy who started on the pole was Harvick, and and he led a bunch of laps, and Logano was two. He led a bunch of laps. So clearly, they were up front, but Chase got them in the end. I think he ended up leaving like 44 laps and uh, won the race. So mark me down for the nine car. I think he is going to do it just like Blaney did last week. I think he has the ability to to really shock everyone again and and get to that round of eight. And um, it would just be such a cool story. So plus 550, mark me down for the nine car. After him, the odds really jump up. And that's why I was saying it really seems like a race where the favorites are going to kind of shine through. Because it goes from plus 550 with Chase Elliott and, and Kyle Busch all the way to plus 1,000, so 10 to one. For Brad Kozlowski. And uh, and then Logano is 1,100 right after him. Hamlin at 1,400. Larson at 1,200. Um, so big jump is what I'm trying to get at. So if we're not talking about favorites, I'm going to take a look at some of these other guys who have better odds that I'm going to be throwing money on uh, just, you know, to try to cash in for a bigger payday. And Brad Kozlowski is going to be one of those guys going off at 10 to one. Like I said, he's got the sixth best driver rating at 91.8. Talked about how I love that stat seventh in average finish, 13.6, but he's got the third best starting average among all drivers at 6.9, which is well under the 8.6 number that we talked about was the average finish of the uh, winners at Kansas. One win. He won in the springtime, two top fives, six top tens and a pole. Eight lead lap finishes out of 10 races here. He's 20 points to the good. So Brad is a guy who could potentially see something catastrophic happen and miss the next round of the playoffs. But 20 points is a pretty good lead. So I think that is enough to feel the pressure, enough to feel the, the burn a little bit from the, the guys down below him. And in my opinion, when Brad Kozlowski has that type of pressure on him, he thrives. So I'm going to put my money on the two car this week. And I think he has a really good chance of of cashing a ticket for you at plus 1000. Like I said, not too much pressure, but he has the ability to, to win here. He proved it in the spring. I think you could see a sweep just because of, you know, mile and a halfs. You typically see that. Um, I I haven't done the the math on how many times guys have swept mile-and-a-half tracks for the year, but it definitely has happened this year with Las Vegas. So why not here at Kansas? I like Brad. Mark me down. Ten to one, two car. Next guy, I don't mean to be Penske heavy here, but the odds are too good to pass up and i did say it last week so i have to be a man of my word because you know i'm i I don't make shit up i'm i'm a guy who sticks to what i say and i said blaney wasn't going to win at talladega but i said keep an eye on him for kansas he's going off at plus 2000 this goes against my my gut feeling of no back-to-back winners but i think the the momentum here could help him No wins here at Kansas for Blaney in uh, eight starts total, but he's got three top fives and five top tens along with a pole. He's got a pretty good driver rating, fourth out of all active drivers at 94.0, so he's one-tenth behind Chase for third-best driver rating. Um, So again, another guy who can get around here. He has no pressure on him, obviously, because of the win last week, but I feel like a camp like Penske is smart enough to know that he's going to be in that round of eight automatically in the bottom four and any extra points they can get are going to be worth it. So while he doesn't have pressure, I think Blaney is someone that would take a risk to try to get those extra points for the playoffs. He's going to you know stay out for the stages and, and maybe get off cycle a little bit and try to do something crazy. To get another victory, because every point is going to matter for him in the round of eight, uh, based on his season thus far. So that to me is intriguing. At plus two thousand twenty to one, you got the the you know winner from last week. You got everything that I'm just listing here as far as drive rating and the pressure being off and the ability to take risks. He's finished here third, fifth sorry, third, fourth, fifth, and seventh twice. So those are his five top 10 finishes. I, I I feel good about the 12. I really do. I think Penske in general, they've got, if anybody's going to get pointed out of the playoffs, it's going to be Brad or Joey because they're the two closest to the, the bottom four. So I think Penske as an organization is going to be on their game. They're going to be definitely prepared this week, and uh, Blaney is just going to be one of them, so mark me down for the 12. Now, the last guy that I'll mention is someone that may be a a bit of a surprise, and I've given him out a few times this year, maybe even last week, I I forget, but Kurt Busch, okay, plus 2,500, 25 to 1. If you're looking for someone just to kind of keep it interesting for you, Kurt Busch is that guy? He's got, let's take a look, the fourth best average finish out of everybody here in the last 10 races, 12.6. That's surprising to me because it, this isn't lifetime we're talking about. I mean, he's been here a million times. This is the last 10 races. So that's intriguing. And he's got a really good starting average at 10.9. No wins at Kansas, but two top fives, six top tens, and a driver rating of 88.3, which is not far off. I think that puts them about seventh or eighth. And, you know, when you're looking at the stat sheet, most of them are referring to just the playoff drivers, and they kind of skip over the people who aren't in the playoffs anymore. And I think Kurt Busch is someone that could surprise people. We saw last week, this is another reason why I like Kurt. We saw last week that we're starting to get to that point in the schedule where non-playoff drivers are going to be contesting for the win, and I'm going to talk in depth about that, I think, next week. But the fact that Newman could do it last week at Talladega, I think, just brings other people to the the front. Kurt Busch, with his experience here, it's hard for me to not throw something on him at plus 2,500, so I, I really like that. Those odds for him. Mark me down for the one. So just to recap, the the guys that I like here, I'm gonna bet money on Harvick at plus 450. I'm gonna bet money on Chase Elliott at plus 550. Keselowski at plus 1000. Blaney at plus 2000. And Kurt Busch, the long shot for me this week, plus at plus 2500. Uh, just to touch on a couple guys who I don't like, actually. Kurt Busch's playoff teammate, Kyle Larson. He's got good numbers here, but for some reason I'm avoiding Kyle Larson. I feel like that win, you know, they, they really kind of blew their load a little bit. And I don't think that that organization is mature enough to understand the value of getting another win. I mean, obviously it's simple to think about, but you know, Thinking about it and saying it is different than actually being able to do it. And I don't think Chip Ganassi Racing has the ability to do what I mentioned Blaney has the ability to do and go out and get some extra points for next round. I think we've seen the best of Kyle Larson so far this year. I don't think he's going to do much more damage. Um, so I'm avoiding him this week despite his good stats. He's got, He's going off at plus 1,200 at the moment. Uh, those odds were not enough for me to jump on him uh, just on my gut feeling about him and then also his overall stats. If he had some odds that maybe dropped a little bit, maybe live time, maybe you know much closer to the race, uh, if, if not live, then maybe I, I'd look at him if he was closer to you know the 20 to one spot, but at, at plus 1,200, uh, 12 to 1, I'm not going to take him. Someone that I need to sound the alarm. Eh, 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 sounding the alarm. Do not take this week, no matter what the odds, no matter how good they look, do not fall for the William Byron experiment. Okay. He is downright dismal. There are going to be people on the broadcast who are making the case For Byron to get in to the next round with a win, he straight up, there's no chance for him to point himself in. He needs to win. They're going to tell you about Chad Knauss. They're going to tell you about Hendrick Motorsports. Do not listen. His driver rating is just above 60. 60. Yes. Harvick, the, the number one person, almost doubles his driver rating. He's downright horrible at Kansas. He has an average finish of 30th. 30th. So just avoid them like the plague. Do not waste your money. Do not donate to the casinos. They don't need it, okay? You're gonna need your money more than they do. So trying to save you some money there for the love of God. Boogity, boogity, boogity! you, bunch of hot dogs! When it comes down to taking some people this week to finish in the top 10, I only have one guy that I really love. And that's Eric Jones. He's going off at plus 2,000 to win the race. His odds to finish in the top 10 are not out at the moment that I'm recording this, but I would imagine it's going to be right around the equator, right around the the break-even mark. I would bet you that he's going to be probably, I don't know, plus 200 to finish in the top 10. And I would take that because he's got six races here and he's got three top 10s total. So 50% of the time he's finishing the top 10 but those three times have been the last three times that he's raced here. So he's starting to figure out this racetrack. If you wanted to get crazy, you could even throw in, you know, a couple bucks on him to win the race just for the hell of it. But I am taking Eric Jones to finish in the top 10 regardless, just because like I said, he's figuring out last three, he's hot. I like it 50% of the time. These are all numbers that I'm in love with. Now, Looking at some other guys uh, just on the numbers, Matt DiBettadetto is somebody that stands out to me. Not because he's got good numbers here. Because he doesn't. He simply does not. But I feel like for this second half of the season, I have seen racetracks where he has historically been bad. And he has proven me wrong and the books wrong. So right now, DiBettadetto is going off at 1% sorry, plus 15,000 to win the race. So that means you're going to get some pretty good odds on him. I would say probably plus 1,000, uh, if not better, maybe even plus 2,000 to finish in the top 10. I'm going to throw money on that. I'm going to keep my eye and see what that number is, but I'm going to throw money on, on the 95 this week, uh, seeing how you know he was in it last week till the very end. Uh, he's been jumping into these tracks that he's got poor numbers at and performing very well. Clearly, things are going well for DiBettadetto, so I'm going to look to throw some money in on him. And then I already mentioned Kurt Busch to win the race. Depending on what his odds are to finish in the top 10, I think that to me is a no-brainer. So those are the three guys that I really have my eye on. Eric Jones for the numbers. I I love his numbers. And And obviously Kurt Busch for the numbers to win the race and if not win, finish in the top 10. But to bet a Deno, more of a gut feel situation. You know, when you're a gambler, you just got to feel some certain things out. And uh, that's what I'm going to go with this week. So those three guys, I am betting on to finish in the top 10. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. Okay, so now we'll get to most people's favorite section of the podcast, and that's talking about the prop bets, the head-to-heads. But before I actually get into the standard head-to-heads, I just want to throw a, a parlay idea your way, and I think it's something that could be fun as long as your book accepts it. So a lot of times I see the opportunity to bet on the best car per manufacturer. We've talked about it in the past on this podcast, so best Chevy car, best Ford car, best Toyota car. At a track like this, where the favorites may dominate, I thought it may be fun to try to see what the odds would be for a parlay where you choose the best guy for each manufacturer and throw that together into a parlay. So all three of them have to hit in order to cash in, but you're choosing all favorites. So for example, the the parlay that I have in here would be you know, looking at those four guys that we had that were the clear-cut favorites according to the odds. It was Martin Truex Jr. It was Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Chase Elliott. So obviously there's two Toyotas up there. You're going to have to choose between the two. But if you're saying that Chase is going to be the best Chevy car and you're saying that Harvick's going to be the best Ford car and then you choose one of the other two, I'm going to go with Truex because he's got the better odds. So just the three favorites for the manufacturer prop bet you throw those together into a little three, three-way parlay, and the odds are plus seventeen ninety one. I like that. You, you're going to get a good amount of payback or, or money back uh, on a bet that hits like that. So something to think about. Not all books accepted, and this is something that could be a topic maybe for the postseason podcast if we uh, go that far. But. Sometimes you may run into a situation where your book is telling you that they're related to each other and you can't include them in a parlay, but I do have one book out there that I know of that uh, that I see accepts it. So it's definitely a gray area as far as uh, accepting it is concerned for the books. And if you can get it, do it because that makes betting on the favorites more fun for you and it's way more bang for your buck. We talk about how it's not fun to take the guys who are, you know, heavy odds on favorites well here's a way to make that a little more interesting so take that put it in your pipe and smoke it and uh hopefully cash in a little bit but let's get into some of these head to head matchups and i mean we let's might as well stick with those top four guys so we've got harvick versus truex they're both going off at minus 115 so this is one where i took harvick to win the race but uh in the head-to-head matchup i may hedge my bet a little bit so looking at the Season-long record, Truex has the advantage, 17-14 to in the head-to-head competition. But in the last five years at this race, so the fall Kansas race, Truex is actually four-and-one versus Harvick, including uh, a victory two years ago in 2017. Now, Harvick did get a win in 2016 in this race, the Hollywood Casino 400. Uh, But I'm going to go in the head-to-head section. I'm going to go with Truex to kind of hedge my bet. And also based on the the numbers here that I'm seeing when I'm doing a little of the the statistics. So give me Truex in that head-to-head matchup. They're going off at even money minus 115. So uh, Truex is the guy there. Then the next head-to-head matchup is not even money, even though these guys are going off to win the race at, e- at the same amount of uh, value. So To win the race both these guys are plus 550 and this is chase elliott and kyle bush but in the head-to-head matchup bush is actually going off as more of a favorite minus 125 compared to chase's 106. now that's interesting to me i don't know where that's coming from now if you look at the season record with these two head-to-head it's it's uh not even close 21 to 10 kyle bush is winning the season head-to-head matchup against chase but at this race, Chase is 2-1, and one, including a victory last year. So give me Chase just because of the desperation factor we talked about earlier in the podcast, and give me Chase because he's better odds in this head-to-head matchup. I'm not going to hedge my bet here. I'm going to go against Kyle Busch and uh, say that Einkar is going to win this matchup, minus 106. After those guys... We have an absolute layup. I'm betting the farm on this one. All right. This is Kurt Busch versus William Byron. They're going off at even money. Who in their right mind is saying that this is even money? I talked about Kurt Busch being solid at Kansas. The only thing that I can think of is that the fact that Byron is currently in the playoffs. And I say currently, because that'll be lasting less than a week. He is definitely out. And that has to be the reason why they're saying that it's even, I guess they're saying he's going to be going all out for the win. I'm betting a ton on this one. Minus 115 for each does not make any sense. Give me the one car. The 24 has no shot in this one. I've declared him dead to me. I brought him back to life. Now he's officially back dead to me. Get him out of here. Just get him out. Give me Kyle, or excuse me, give me Kurt Busch in this one. Don't want any confusion out there. Mark it down for the win. After that, got two more for you, and I like both of them. Uh, Less about the stats, more about gut feel. So, actually, I got three more for you. Sorry. One is uh, more even odds. So, this is kind of doubling down on what I was saying earlier Kozlowski versus Larson. Uh, This is kind of a throw in that I have here for you, but they're both going off at 115. It kind of piqued my interest. I like Kozlowski. I just think that Larson, something's going to happen to Larson. I I feel like he's going to be, you know, more. I said last week, he's out for a Sunday drive. What happened? He wrecked, you know, pretty early on Monday. Uh, Kozlowski still fighting for his life, but he has that, you know, comfortable cushion, but that's going to drive him to success on Sunday. So to me, that makes. A lot of sense give me the two car in that matchup but then we got a, a couple more here that some guys we haven't talked about today daniel suarez versus eric almirola these are two teammates who are currently out of the playoffs suarez didn't make the first cut and almirola got knocked out after the roval these guys are both going off at even money as well and Suarez in five races has one top 10 Almirola in 10 races has three top tens. So it's not, it's it's kind of apples to oranges there. You can't really compare that. Um, and, and, finishing on the lead lap again, they're still, you know, pretty comparable. Uh, Almirola has finished on the lead lap 50% of the time while, uh, Suarez has finished on the lead lap 40% of the time, small sample size. So what i want to get at here is the fact that these guys are teammates they're in the same race shop and almirola just re-signed a a big sponsor smithfield's back next year that really takes a lot of pressure off of him and that team he knows that he's shored up financially for next season meanwhile suarez has no idea i would have thought by now unless i'm missing something maybe i missed a, a an announcement but he's still fighting for his season next year. He doesn't know for sure that he's, you know, definitely racing in that 41 machine. So I'm going to take the calm, cool and financially stable guy in Eric Amarola compared to the guy who's driving on edge and worried about every little move he makes in Daniel Suarez. So and the experience too. I mean 10 races to 5, 3 top 10s to 1. Amarola seems like the easy bet there at even money. The last one that I'm going to give you is just a strange situation. And, and I think I took this matchup when Cousin Greg was here and we did our, our little head-to-head matchups, but Stenhouse versus Chris Buescher. These two guys are swapping rides essentially next year, which is the weirdest thing in the world to me. So it, Roush announced a few weeks back that Busher was going to be taking over the 17 car, uh, pulling that out from Stenhouse. And then this week, it was announced that Stenhouse will be driving for JTG Daugherty. Um, just very strange. I mean, should we just switch cars this weekend? Like, what the hell's the point at this point? But in this scenario, this week, even money, I'm going to go with Chris Busher. Now, Stenhouse has a slightly better average finish, but Stenhouse has never finished in the top 10. Busher's finished in the top 10 twice All right, so I think Stenhouse was kind of racing. Uh, He knew he was going to land a ride somewhere, so it wasn't like complete desperate. But, you know, that uncertainty had him kind of driving with an edge. I think he takes that edge off this week. And I think Busher is going to come out victorious in that head-to-head matchup. Just more of a gut feeling than anything. Obviously, the the top 10 speak for themselves in the past. But that's going to be who I take in that head-to-head. So just to recap, I'm taking Truex over Harvick. I'm taking Elliott over Kyle Bush. Kurt Bush over William Byron. Kozlowski over Larson. Al Marola over Suarez. And Chris Busher over Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Those are my head-to-head matchups for Kansas this week. We're going to end it this week with a rant about being able to bet on the NASCAR playoffs in general. So I talked a little bit about this back in August where the playoffs were approaching and there was no option for the gambler to bet on who was gonna make it in and who was gonna make it out. And with this scenario where their structure of the playoffs always has four guys that are currently listed as outside of making it in the next round, I feel like that presents a perfect opportunity for us to be able to bet on those guys jumping into the playoff picture. So last weekend is a perfect example of that. Ryan Blaney was way outside. Uh, He was actually in dead last 12 of 12 at points in that Talladega race. So now that we've established that live betting is a thing that is very much in the picture for us, imagine if you will, being able to bet on Blaney, his odds were probably enormous. To make the round of eight live time at Talladega during the race. And then he goes and wins, and you lock yourself in. That's a, a huge payday right there. Uh, so, NASCAR odds makers need to be able to present the gambler with the chance to bet on people outside the top, you know, in this case, eight, making it in so that. It makes it a little bit more interesting for the viewer. So in this case, coming up this week, somebody like Chase Elliott, I mean, all four of them really would be huge long shots to make the playoffs. It would be, you know, pretty, it would be a huge deal for one of those four guys to sneak into the round of eight. It just really would. So their odds would clearly be very large, long shots, but I like betting on the long shots. I would probably throw a little something on all four of them if I could, if I had that ability. Then on the flip side, you would be able to bet on Kozlowski and Logano with you know, huge favorite money to make the round of eight and just hope to God that nothing went wrong with them. Um, and again, with live betting throughout the race, imagine the the fluctuation that could happen in in a situation like that and the range of emotions of the the gambler and the viewer watching it it just seems like i say this every week feels like it seems like a no-brainer for the ability to to bet on that you have the ability to bet on people to win the championship to finish in the top four for the championship Um, why not have the ability to bet on whether or not guys are going to make it into the next round or not the, the structure of the NASCAR playoffs is set up perfectly for it. So when will the, the books catch on and try to take advantage of it? All it is is stealing more money from people. I mean, I, I would bet on all four of them. And, you know, all four of them wouldn't get in. So they could essentially make money on that, depending on how much I'm betting. It, it's, it's silly. It makes me sick to think about the complete obviousness of it all. And, uh, you know, just goes to show you that there is so much that can be improved on in this whole gambling on NASCAR racket. And again, it goes back to this is why we're here. This is why I have a podcast trying to do this, trying to ring the bell and change things for the better. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Full Tank with Phil. I'm hoping that Kansas can provide us with some excitement and even if the race itself isn't that great? Hopefully, you're going to get some money on the race to make it interesting for you personally. Take these guys that are favorites, throw some money on them, maybe a couple of the long shots that I mentioned, and definitely make sure you get in on some of these head to head matchups because I think this week those are where the money can be made. Good luck once again, and we will see you in the round of eight next week